This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Good evening and welcome to tonight's Known and Ever podcast. I'm Jamie Smith and Kevin Robinson and James Bird are my guests this evening. It's an award special on the Known and Ever podcast. that will be the last one of this glorious, glorious season. Um, and we will be announcing the winner of the Player of the Month Award, Player of the Year Award, sorry, in conjunction with the Burnley Express at the end of the show. We will be building up to that. And there's a few other prizes to give out as well. Please do join in if you're listening live on the comments through Mixler, or you can also tweet along by using the hashtag NNMPod, and we will read out the best of your comments on the show, as always. Um, so we'll start off with um, the Player of the Year Award. As you know, you've been voting in your droves. I think we're close to a 1,000 votes altogether, and we have come up with a winner. Um, so we're going to run through a top five, but just first of all, congratulations to... Uh, Graham Alexander, who led his Fleetwood Town team to promotion from League Two in the playoffs today, um, setting up a local derby with Preston North End next season. So that will be exciting for everyone over that side of Lancashire. But first of all, Player of the Year, Player of the Year in fifth place. It was a surprising result, really. I couldn't quite believe this happened. But fifth place was officially the best player in the championship, Danny Ings. Um, I think we touched on this in last week's podcast on reasons why why Danny Ings wasn't getting so many votes. But if we can start with you, James, why why do you think Ings is coming fifth when he won the division's best player award? It, it's a funny one, isn't it? Um, yeah, because uh, it's it's hard to say, but I think um, a lot of it is to do sort of with the fact that he is a very. If you look at our side, you think he's probably the most talented. And I think that's what other teams and other players tend to see more whereas as a fan of the team over the course of the season I think you you appreciate more the people that maybe don't have the talent and make up for it in, in other ways I'm sure we'll, we'll come to Ings in some of the other prizes that we've got lined up for later in the show um, Kevin you came up with the, the slightly complicated method for the, the player of the year award and Ings got he did quite well in the in the monthly awards didn't he but that hasn't translated into player of the year 
thoughts. Is there any reason you think is has caused that to happen? Um, I think there's two reasons for that. Um, I think one is probably the fact that he ended the season um, not in his greatest form. He he'd only scored one in the last kind of two or three months of the season. Um, in his last end of the season, so I think obviously people are voting kind of their immediate memory is him um, not scoring goals, which obviously the first half of the season was a completely different story. Um, and perhaps also because he's he's won kind of the championship player of the year, he's won so many other player of the years from kind of independent newspapers and magazines, etc. It potentially is complacency thinking, you know, people perhaps thinking, you know, everyone's going to vote for him, I'm going to vote for, for, for somebody else instead. I think that's what it was. I think that must be the reason that, that people have gone for um, slightly more left-field choices, maybe, um, just to give you an indication of some of the players who, who didn't do that well at all in the voting. Um, 0.64% of the total votes went to David Jones and the same proportion to Michael Duff. Uh, ben Me, Michael Kitely, also less than 3%. Um, various other players that we'll come to later in the podcast as well. But Danny Ings in fifth place with 10.2% of the poll. So a real turn-up for the books, really, with Danny Ings coming in there. And we will... Um, I'm sure we'll mention Danny Ings for some of the other awards. And the next one that we're going to come to is um, goal of the season. Various contenders for this. I think we've got an article that will go on the site in the next few days running down some of the some of the leading contenders. Uh, I'm sure everyone's got their favourites. If we start with you then, James, what we're going to do for this is, is the three of us will give our favourites for each of these categories and then Adam, our producer, is going to pick the winner. And you can all tell us how wrong you think it is. So we'll start with you, James. What's what's your nomination for goal of the season and why? I'm struggling to remember a lot of the goals now. Uh, he did score I, a lot of goals. So there's plenty of choice. <laughs> um, I think, obviously, one that really stands out is the Ashley Barnes one against Wigan, just for it being such a great team effort. Um, but the one I'm going to go for is Michael Carty against Barnsley. So I think that was the first time we really saw that, that finishing touch from Michael Carty that we all expected. And it was an absolutely fantastic sort of jink to the left and uh, an unstoppable shot as well. We've had um, Ryan's been on the, the chat and he suggested David Jones v Derby as well. So we'll throw that one in there as well, actually. What about you, Kevin? What's your goal of the season? Um, Still between two, really. Um, I think the obvious one is is Barnes, Barnes against, uh, against Wigan. Um, a couple of reasons. One, it was the goal that kind of sealed our promotion, but also it was a it was a fantastic team goal. Um, it reminded me of my favourite ever Burnley goal, which was one of I can't remember which one it was. It was um, one of one of Gifton's his hat trick against Barnsley. Um, I think James O'Connor won it won it at the back um, with crunching tackle, sent it along to Wade on the wing, and he ran up and crossed it in, and, and Gifton converted. And this is very similar that we won the possession really well in the middle of a pitch, stuck it out wide, fantastic first time cross, uh, cross in and Barnes obviously whacked it into the back of the net. Um, but I think just edging it is Ings's uh, first goal against QPR at Turf Moor. That incredible one-two between him and Vokes. Um, just just purely for, it was it was a, it was a joy to watch. You watch it back and you actually see Vok, when when Vokes plays with wall back to Ings. He doesn't even look. He, he's actually facing the complete opposite way and plays it back, and it goes straight to Ings' feet. One or two touches into the back of the net. So I think that's um, 
that just edges it for me just because I like watching that over and over again. I think you've named two of the ones that a lot of people will be watching over and over again over the summer and a couple of the people on the chat are agreeing with you as well. Um, I can't actually remember who it was against, the one I'm going to mention, but it, it was Danny Ings' goal in front of the cricket field stand at Turf Moor and it was a ball into him that he controlled and then just flicked on the volley on the turn. Um, I'm sure someone... It was not as far as thanks, um, James, for pointing that out. And that's that was my favourite one. I don't think it's going to be the one that gets picked. It's up to you to decide the None and Ever podcast award for goal of the season. Who's the winner? Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to go with Kevin Shout um, Ings against QPR just because just because it was so like it was almost telepathic the, the communication between the two and it was um, well argued by Kevin. I, I, I think that's a very good choice, and for me, that that goal, as much as any of the others we scored, was um, symptomatic of the whole season. The way that we snapped into tackles in midfield, won it back, and then within three, four passes and just a few seconds, the ball was in the back of the net. I think that was really what we were all about all season. So it's certainly a worthy winner, but you can certainly make a case for a few others. And like I say, there'll be an article on the site running through a top ten. I think, um, and I think Barnes against. Wigan, the, the goal at self-promotion was the one that came out on top of that, so you'll have your chance to argue about that one um, on the site as well in the coming days. So we'll go back to Player of the Year now. and um, Number four in our Player of the Year poll, with 15% of the final vote, was Dean Marnie, the, the midfield engine who contributed so heavily to, to Burnley's promotion, of course. Chips in with a few vital goals in January and our worst period of the season was when Marnie was out injured, of course, in the autumn. So... No surprises to see him up there, James. Fourth place for Dean Marnie. He's had a superb season, hasn't he? Considering a lot of people didn't really rate him a year ago. Yeah, he's a player that I've always rated. I thought he's... Uh, but really, in the past, it was maybe being alongside Chris McCann that reflected badly on him. Um, but this season, I think he's been arguably our most important piece of the puzzle. I mean, if you look at those games where he was missing, we just didn't see the same side. I mean, he did so much running... Uh, I think last game of the season, Sean Dyche said that you know he'd been uh, he turned up to pre-season, you know, a bit like, like a Bentley. He was in that that great shape as the season as pre-season started, and I think it only just got better. He does so much running every game, and I think he puts in uh, you know the vast majority of the hard work in the middle of the park for us. He certainly sets the tone, doesn't he, with that pressing, and it's extremely noticeable when he's not in the side. The Signing of David Jones, I think, was also key in that he's really freed up Marnie to go and do what he does best. And the two of them dovetail so well. Uh, interesting, actually, looking at the, the, the figures that we've got um, in a bit more detail. Marnie only got about 11% of the vote share in Player of the Month awards, but up to nearly 20% for Player of the Year. There was only our winner came out with a bigger share of the final poll. So Marnie, a, a big leading candidate up there, and ended up fourth place. Kevin, what's your assessment of... Dean Marnie scene. Um, I think you, I think you kind of touched on it then. It, in that David Jones's arrival has has really given him that freedom to to play. I think his his natural game. Uh, I think Michael Connell, who writes for None You Never occasionally, uh, commented in his in his piece about Player of the Year that um, that last season, um, McCann and Marnie were both trying to play similar games, ended up kind of not excelling. Because Marnie was having to cover McCann, McCann was trying to be Marnie, 
and McCamera's trying to recover in Marnie when Marnie when McCamera's trying to be Marnie. It's very confusing. They're both very too similar. Whereas um, Jones and Marnie very complement each other much better uh, in terms of their games, which means Marnie's has a bit more freedom to to play his game a bit more naturally rather than having to think oh, what's happening here and having to kind of track back and do things that he wouldn't uh, necessarily do to otherwise. Uh, I think something I think we talked about. Um, a year ago on the site was how Marnie was kind of a um, he, he, some games he'd be incredible I and mean, then sometimes he'd be really poor uh, whereas this season he's been consistently fantastic throughout the season so he's always shown that quality before but it, kind of getting it out on a regular basis was was sometimes an issue whereas this time um, it's it's been it's been absolutely non-stop I can't think of a bad game he's had yeah, it's been absolutely superb. And we've had a comment from Jack who says, remember when Marnie was given a new contract and people were saying, why have we renewed his contracts? Waste of space. Uh, it just goes to show, doesn't it, how a really good year can turn around opinions. And I I, I really think that it's David Jones who's, who's really helped Marnie to have that season. And it was a bit of a surprise for me that Jones did so poorly in the in the poll, but maybe that's because Jones's work is, is quite under the radar sometimes. Is less in, in the opposition's faces than maybe Dean Marty, so maybe that's the reason for that. We'll come back to the final three for the Player of the Year award slightly later in the podcast, and I'm, I'm trying not to give it away, actually, because I've obviously got the names in front of me, so I'm being very careful not to mention who could the, the final three could be, but I'm sure from who we've already mentioned, you can work out who they may be. Um, our own Andy Devaney's not happy that Danny Ings is coming fifth, by the way. Andy, very very eloquently as ever, put his case for Danny Ings on the site and he's not impressed that he's coming fifth. But the public has spoken, I'm afraid, and there was a lot of candidates and a lot of votes being cast and that's just how it came out in the end. <laughs> he says the public voted for UKIP, so that doesn't say a lot. Well, <laughs> that's an interesting point, but I think we should probably stay clear of UKIP and election results on the Northern Ever podcast this evening. So the next prize, what's the next one that we've got? The best performance of the season. So many candidates for this one as well, I suppose. Burnley put in some really outstanding performances. We'll start with you again then, James. What's, what was your top Burnley performance of the season? I think this is the the most difficult difficult one to judge yet because, like you said, there has been a lot of lot of really good performances this season, um, and I think I'd probably have to go with um, Nottingham Forest at home in the league um, because we just tore them apart in the first half, and even though second half they came out with a lot more fight, it was over and done with within sort of twenty minutes, and uh, I think that was possibly the most dominant we've been all season. But, you know, there's honourable mentions as well. The thing for me about that one. Keep it away as well, but Knox Forest at home was sensational. I I was going to say that one. I'll pick a different one now you've picked it out. But the thing for me about that one was that it was on the back of the Derby win, wasn't it? And there was still a lot of people thinking we were going to fade away. But the fact Forest came to Turf Moor with so many, they were on a really good unbeaten run the same as we were. And, the fact that we just ripped them apart in the first 20 minutes of the game, I think that, for me, was the day I really started to believe that we were going to go up. Um, Kevin, what about you? What was your best performance of the season? Um, well, James has mentioned my, my two there. Um, I was going to mention, given an honourable mention to the, to the Forest game, that first half was, was absolutely incredible. Um, but I think the reason I haven't picked that is purely because the second half was a little bit slower. And that's understandable because... 
Um, I think I was kind of, I was just sitting back. We had such a healthy lead. We didn't want to kind of let it go. So we sat back a little bit more in the second half. Um, but for that reason, I've gone for QPR away. Um, I thought we were, that was a fantastic battling performance. And it's, it's really showed some of our biggest strengths this season. One also was about with that battling uh, kind of mentality. We never gave up. Um, the strength we, we we came from behind twice this season, so we you know we, we've never known when we're beaten. But also the quality, we saw some fantastic goals in that game. I think all three of our goals were were was, were really superb. Um, so for those reasons, that's uh, I've gone for QPR away. That was an excellent game, that, and I think again that was that was one of the days when a lot of people started to think that that was the one. Um, a couple of comments that have come in as well. Um, Aaron says Rovers away. I suppose we have to mention that, don't we? Putting that 30-odd year record to bed winning at Ewood Park, even though the first half wasn't actually a great one. Ben Costello has been commenting via Twitter. He says Forest at home. That's undoubtedly going to be a popular one. And Roger says Derby at home just before that game when we blew away their own promotion challenge. Of course, that was key in the end, wasn't it? In Derby finishing third and us ending up in second place. The one I'm going to put forward, actually, for Adam to choose from is QPR at home, which was um, very early in the season. But our we'd started the season so well. QPR, of course, were title favourites all summer. But I thought we controlled that game absolutely superbly. And one of the memories that sticks in the mind for me from the whole season was injury time in that game with the, the match done and dusted long ago at 2-0. Michael Kitely still chasing down the full-backs and harrying them so hard and forcing mistakes, even in injury time. That, for me, just summed up everything we were about all season. So that's the one I'm going to put forward. Um, so you've got a few to choose from there, Adam. Forest at home, QPR at home, uh, QPR away, Rovers away. What's the known and ever podcast performance of the season? Oh, this is, this is a tough one. Um, I think I'm going to go for Forest away, mainly... Forest because, at home. Uh, yeah, at home, sorry. Um, mainly because a lot of people on Twitter are saying that at the moment. Um, so it's obviously a popular choice. Um and it's a worthy winner too. Yeah, I, I, I think that's absolutely fair. The way we played in the first half an hour or so of that match, just absolutely outstanding. I, I don't think there'll be many arguments with that one. So the Known and Ever podcast award for performance of the season goes to Burnley's dominant win over Nottingham Forest at Surf Mall and well-deserved. We will go back now to the Player of the Year award. We're running through our top five to announce the winner right at the end, of course, this award's been running all season in conjunction with the Burnley Express. We've already done Danny Ings in fifth, Dean Marnie in third. In fourth, sorry, third place went to Kieran Trippier, the right-back, who's been named the division's best right-back for the last two seasons. Came with 16.17% in the final poll. Um, Kieran Trippier, his assists again, James, up there with the leading assist makers in the league for a defender, just unreal. But he's defending absolutely top class all season. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's been really good. Uh, I think sometimes it's a case of if he sort of gets the better of his winger early on, uh, that really helps him. Because I think there has been a few occasions where sort of he looks a little bit shaky maybe first half and, you know, he's been beaten once or twice defensively. But I think he, he set, tends to solidify after that and you know, I think it's very rare that a, a player has dominated him all game. Um, and then I think you've got, obviously, the most important part of his game, which is going forwards. Um, it it's, reminds me quite a bit of 
particularly last season when he was sitting up Austin a lot, of when we had Wade Elliott on the wide right and we were playing Andy Gray up front. So many goals just came from crosses in um, and that, that combination scoring. And I think you see it now from Trippier, just the, the volume of crosses he gets in and the quality of the crosses. I mean, it's really hard when you've got two quality strikers to not convert you know, a good, good percentage of those chances. I think we've we've seen a little bit creeping in. I think a little bit of skill as well. We always have people on the site commenting whenever we talk about Trippier, um, suggesting that we play him a bit further forward and play him out wide. And one of the rebuttals to that is always that he he hasn't really had a trick to be a man that we haven't seen. But probably my favourite Trippier assist was from his own throwing. He just got knocked back to him beating his man in the same movement and flick the crossing. And I think, was that a Danny Ings finish? I can't remember. It was all about the assist. Kieran Trippier right in front of the, the bottom end of the long side at the, the away end. Yeah, I think, you know, it was an unbelievable piece of skill. sort of looked like he was stopping and then pushed on because there was one where sort of he looked like he was about to turn back and he, he sort of knocked it on with his other foot and he, the defenders didn't know what had happened. Uh He's, I think he's got a trick or yeah, two there, but I think the big thing against playing him further forward is that you know he's reasonably solid defensively, and I think the modern game relies more on having attacking-minded full-backs, but also that I think sometimes you do get a help from his cross when he can get it in really deep. You know, if he's maybe been left unmarked and he's there as sort of support for your winger who can get it back to him, but you've already flooded the box because of where your winger is, so... Obviously, if he gets a good crossing, then you've got, you know, three or four people who are challenging for the ball. I think it it was last season more, wasn't it? The deep crosses to Charlie Austin. I think there was a couple where he was flinging them in from almost nowhere. But there was there was one at the turf as well. I think he was on the halfway line, and well, there was absolutely nothing on it. He's dropped it on Danny Ings's toe from about forty yards away. Left Ings with basically a tapping, but the pass from the halfway line and the control from Ings. That was another that could have been in there for goal of the season, I suppose. Um, Jack has pointed out as well, a special mention needed for his free kick against Preston in the Capital One Cup. Um, he's, he's, he must practice his free kicks because he's obviously got his technique down pat, but hasn't really scored enough of them for how many he takes. But that one was probably a goalkeeping error more than a, a brilliant free kick. But hopefully we'll see a few more of them next season. Um, Kevin, Trippier, surely one of the players that we've, absolutely confident will step up next season and be a real success in the Premier League. Um, yeah, I'd be really surprised if he, if, if he didn't. Um, he's one of those players who who's always been linked in the press to, to Premier League moves. Um, if not, solidly just, so it's always a stories of so-and-so's watching him. And I think he's got, he's got, like James said, he's got all the qualities of modern, as a, of a modern fullback. Um, he's, he's fantastic going forward. Um, but I think he's actually deceptively good at the back as well. I think we, we were talking a minute ago about him, um, about playing further forward. But I think the fact that he is so good, uh, kind of in, in the in the final third, does actually disguise how good he is at the back as well. Um, he's actually a really good defender, and and I think also the, the fact also what Jim said is that he he he's at his best when he is overlapping and coming from behind. Um, and it's actually he's actually got that kind of that right back position to to a real to a T really. So like I think I said in my um, in one of the pieces I wrote recently, but he's kind of the blueprint of what a, a modern a modern fullback needs to be. He's 
I think he's he's pretty much the complete fullback, and I, I really don't think it's exaggerating to suggest he could be playing for England next season. I think you look at the the right backs that are ahead of him. You've got Carl Walker and Glenn Johnson are the two that that seem to get picked. But I, I think Trippier is probably as good defensively, and arguably as good going forward. Maybe Johnson seems to score more goals, so maybe he's got that going for him. But I think if Trippier starts the season really well, it could put some real pressure on those two for a place in the England squad. So well worth keeping an eye on that, and hopefully Trippier will sign a new contract as well because he's going into his last year. Um, but yeah, Kieran Trippier, well deserved. Third place in the non ever Burnley Express Player of the Year award with 16% of the vote. Uh, the last two we'll do a little bit later in the podcast. Um, I'm sure you can all guess who, who the last two are probably going to be. Um, it, it was pretty close, though, so we'll get to that slightly later in the podcast. Next award um, is for the most improved player. I think this one's wide open as well with some of the development we've seen in the players in the last season. It's just been... Absolutely ridiculous. Um, interested to see who you two go for to start with. What about you then, James? Who's your award for most improved player going to? This is really, this is really tough. Um, it's really, really tough. <laughs> I'm going to have to say Sam Vokes. Um, I don't think it's particularly his fault either. I don't think it's like he did anything wrong previously. Um but we just really didn't really get to see him because he was sort of behind Austin in the pecking order and, and Austin scored so many goals. He played a part in every game last season, but he played sort of five, ten minutes tops. Um, and we only really got to see glimpses of him as a player. And I think as well, the beginning of this season, if you just look at how he started getting going, he, people were still saying after two or three games... Uh, He's still not really good enough. Uh, we could do with another striker for Ings. But as you saw that confidence grow, he got better and better. And now I think, obviously, you can't imagine our side this season without Sam Vokes, innit? Yeah, Vokes was... Um, it, I argued for Sam Vokes to win the Player of the Year award and compared to last season when, like you say, barely had a chance last year but made such a difference this season. And I've long argued he's been our most important player and no one would have predicted that, especially a few days before the season started, before Charlie Austin had even gone. We expected he was going to be on the bench all season again. So, yeah, certainly Sam Vokes well in there for most improved player but I think there's probably a few other candidates for this one as well. Um, Kevin, who are you going to put forward? Um, well, yeah, like you said, we have quite a few candidates. Um, honourable mention, first of all, to to Michael Duff, who, okay, I, I don't think, not specifically the most improved, because I think he's always been very consistent, but I think it's fantastic that kind of when you when you expect somebody of his age to be playing less games, it's actually the most he's played in a long time. It's a long time since he was uh, a regular on the side. And it's at his age to um, to kind of come into the side and play really regularly in such a fantastic team. I think is a is a brilliant achievement. When when previously he was he was sort of being phased out of the side, um, so I think that's kind of it's really great to see him doing well. Um, obviously, Sam Vokes. Uh, me, I think, has um, been been much improved this season. I think last season, a lot of the time he looked like a centre back playing at full back. Uh, whereas this season he, look, he looks like a like a bona fide uh, left back. He looks like he a lot more comfortable there. He's very effective going forward. I think there's um, um, certainly in the, latter, in the second half of the season he's been um, 
kind of very effective going forward. I mean, it was one game where um, we scored two at home, and he was heavily involved in both of them, which was fantastic to see. Because last season that would have been well, it would have been unheard of. Um, but I'm, I'm not saying I'm a fence. I'm going to go for for Danny Ings purely because still into Vokes, but um, he didn't make much of an impression last year. But he he did play more than Vokes. Um, he started a few games, and we we always saw that talent, but for a number of reasons, it never really came out anywhere, certainly anywhere near as kind of the, the, the standard he's been this season. Um, so I'm going to say say Danny Ings. I, I think it's it's wide open, this one, for me. I think Volks and Ings compared to last season have been unbelievable. Ben Mee, certainly, we had a couple of people on Twitter as well, Steely BFC and Natalie Brown, we both say Ben Mee. Um, Dean Marnie, you could throw in there as well, I think. Before, he was like an average championship player and been absolutely outstanding since then. I would certainly argue for, for Danny Ainsel to go for someone who basically had his career in doubt almost with the last two years when he's, he's not really had a run in the side because of various knocks and to then go to scoring 26 goals in a season and being named the best player in the championship and he's still only 21. I think that puts him really at the front of the queue but um, not going to influence your decision at all. <laughs> Adam, it's up to you to decide either not an ever podcast uh, most improved player of the years. I have absolutely no idea who to go for. My first instinct was to to go with whoever whoever said Ben Me, um, but I don't think anyone on the panel actually said Ben Me. Um, so, oh, I have no idea. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to say Danny Ings just because. <laughs> no. Um, oh. I don't know whether I'm changing my mind, but yeah, Danny Ings, just because he's, uh, it's easy to forget how li- little we saw of him before, before this season and, and how good he's been is so, um, so, uh, like unbelievable really. Um, so yeah, Danny Ings, I'm not changing my mind now. Yeah. I, I think we, we've seen flashes from Ings, I don't we? but I, I always think like, just look back to, to last summer, Bournemouth offered a million quid for him, basically what we'd paid. And there were people arguing that we should take the money and buy someone who wasn't going to be injured all the time. So, yeah, I think like Danny Ings certainly has to be at the front of the queue. And I think it's only fair that he gets some sort of award this season since he's been overlooked uh, for a lot of the club awards and, and supporters awards and things like that. So Danny Ings is the official known and ever podcast most improved player of the season. Honourable honorable mentions even to Sam Vox and Ben Mee and Dean Marnie for that one as well. But going back to the the Player of the Year award, you've been voting in your hundreds in the last couple of weeks to decide this award. It's been hotly contested, and I can now announce, which is probably going to give away who's won, but second place is Sam Vokes, who scored 20 goals in the league, I think, and was just outstanding all season, made such a big difference to our play. Um, James, Sam Vokes, just unreal how he's turned it around. We've already touched on it briefly, but... What exactly does Sam Volks bring to this Burnley team? Yeah, I mean, I think he's been absolutely perfect with Danny Ings. Sort of as a, a partnership, it's been uh, been probably the best partnership we've seen in quite a while. Um, trying to think of another partnership we've had. Uh, no, we haven't really had many. I think typically, you know, we have sort of one striker who scores the goals. Um, but this season, we've had two who can both ban them in and obviously from as I said before 
last season he played a, a bit of a part in every game, but we never really got to fully see what he was capable of. But this season he's been given a run in the side. I think his confidence has built with that. And, you know, it turns out we've got a really good player on our hands. It's, it's absolutely sensational the way he's turned it around. I mean, it was let's be fair, it was a bit of a journeyman. He's been out on loan to so many different clubs and not really settled. Uh, put a little bit of faith in him by turning the loan deal into a, a permanent transfer, but the jury was certainly still out this time last year. He'd had so little chances, and when he had played, he hadn't really taken those opportunities. For me, it's um, the fact that the style of play that we've been playing this season, it just wouldn't be possible without Sam Volks. We, we are quite direct from the back at times, but not in an aimless toothing the ball down the pitch kind of way, more a targeted long passes up to Sam Volks. And if you put anything anywhere near him, he invariably wins it. He's dominated so many defences this season. His, his close control is absolutely top-notch. I, think it, I don't think there's another player in the in the side who can, can pick the ball out of the air like he can. You know, you see the ball sort of look like it's going into orbit, comes down, and he, he takes it down with one touch. Um, and you're right, you said we do sometimes play a bit direct, but I think it's because Daesh always talks about wanting to be unpredictable and we have to play short or play long. Uh, and without someone like Sam Volks, you don't have that that extra dimension to go wrong if you need to. You certainly have to mix it up, and I think we've done that well all season, but my argument is that Volks just wouldn't... We wouldn't have been able to do that without Sam Volks. And although results did hold up when he went off injured after the Leicester game, and uh, Ashley Barnes came in and did a very good job as a a sort of stopgap, I think um, if Sam Volks hadn't been scoring so many goals at the start of the year when Danny Ings wasn't quite at his best as well, I think um, he scored something like 12 in 16 games between January and March. He was just in absolutely top form. I think that's the period basically when promotion was secured, when we kept up the form after the, the Christmas period. So I think that was vital. And that's why I argued folks, he's not won in the end. He's ended up with 17% of the vote, but he did push the winner very close. Um, Kevin, what do you make of Sam Volks this season? It's such a shame he missed the end of the season and we'll miss him next year, won't we? Uh, definitely, yeah. Um, I, was, I was looking at some of the, something I wrote, I wrote last summer actually on the site a few days ago uh, about do we have a striker's crisis? So I think we were talking about that Charlie Austin was, was looking like leaving. Uh, Martin Patterson was looking at leaving. Bournemouth had been for Danny Ings and I was saying, you know, we're going to be left with Sam Vokes who's our fourth choice striker and and that would be well, would be a disaster because he's not very good um, and that has kind of turned out to be totally wrong he's been he's been, he's been incredible uh, and yeah it's, it's really disappointing I think more disappointing that he missed the end of the season because I think towards the end of the season it was by the time he got injured it was pretty it was pretty certain we were going up anyway at that point um, even though we did miss him like I say, I think our, our style of play is very much determined by him being in the team. So we had to mix it up a little bit, and uh, it took us a while to get kind of back in the rhythm. Um, but I think more, more, more than kind of disappointment in missing the end of the season, it, it was more disappointment that he's going to miss the start of next season, um, because ideally we want our best players to be available all of next season. Um, I'm in the Premier League because every game counts, and. And he's not going to be there, but also on a personal level because he's he he made such an impact on this season. It's actually really, it's just really disappointing that he he personally won't be uh, won't be available to kind of have his have his moment in this in this in the spotlight from the start and have a full season in the Premier League. But I have no doubt that when he comes back, he'll he'll make a big impact 
and he'll get him, himself a good a good few goals um, on the way to to uh, sending us into Europe. <laughs> just think as well we're only a few months away from Sam Vogt's, um getting back from injury and people saying it's like having a new signing so it's one of my least favourite phrases and I'm sure we'll see that one when Vogt's does make his return um, Jack's pointed out as well we should really mention QPR he secured their own promotion to the Premier League uh, by really unfairly beating Derby actually in the, the Championship final on on Saturday Jack points out that if they hadn't bought Charlie Austin, we probably wouldn't be in the position we are now. It was the sale of Austin meant that Sam Volts and Danny Ings as a partnership were sort of thrown together, really, because we had no time to, to find a replacement. But, yeah, if, if QPR hadn't done that, then maybe, just maybe, it, it could have all been different. Maybe there's an alternative universe out there where Charlie Austin stayed at Burnley and we ended up finishing... 12th or something so yeah thanks QPR but um, hopefully you'll get relegated and we'll stay up next season um, one more award to give out then before we do announce the, the player of the year I'm, I'm sure you've probably worked out by now who the winner is but we will announce it formally in a few minutes time our last award on tonight's award special is favourite moment um, this is an interesting one because there might be some standout ones. I mean, in my head, it's absolutely clear what, what this one needs to be, but we'll go through the panel as well and throw it open. If you are listening through Twitter, use the hashtag EdNMPod or just reply to us and we'll read those out. And if you're listening on the Mixler platform, please do join in as well and we'll read out some comments. Um, but we'll start with you, James. What was your favourite moment of the last season? I think this, I think this is possibly the toughest question um, because there's been so many special games this season. Um, and I really want to pick one that I was actually there for, which since I went to more games I've ever been to this season, like 34, I think it was. <coughs> Glory on <unto. coughs> <I don't know. laughs> Apparently, we at Nonny never, never go to any games, so impressive. <laughs> oh! But um, I have to, I wasn't actually there in person for, uh, and that's Blackburn away. Um, because that's the first time I've ever seen us beat Blackburn. Um, in my life and uh, just thinking about sort of that that second goal almost brings tears to my eyes it's, it's that <laughs> that emotive it was an absolutely glorious day and I, I think there'll be a lot of people saying the same sort of it's it's difficult to put into words isn't it what it means I mean people can say it's it's only a game and that getting promoted was more important but you touched on it there like this, for, for a lot of us, we've never seen us beat Rovers, and it does tensions run high at that time of the of the season, and it it means everything for us to have finally beaten them, and for Danny Ings to get the winner as well when he was so good all season. I think that was absolutely vital. Um, Kevin, then, what was your moment of the season? Um, I've actually gone for for Wigan. Um, I think even for. Even though promotion was 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 coming, we all knew we all knew kind of it was there. It was no surprise when we got promotion. Um, unlike unlike Wembley, when it was kind of this one game shootout, when it came, when it was, it was the end, it was wow, this is it. At Wigan, it was like okay, yeah, we've, we you know we've finally done it now. It's it was it was a moment of when rather than if. Um, but I've gone for Wigan purely because it was it was just pure joy at the end of the match. Um, when when the final whistle went, when we finally secured that, do you know? Even when the first goal went in, the second goal went in, and at the end of the match, it was it was pure elation, it was pure joy, it was kind of over. It was one of those wow moments where it was just kind of overwhelmed by emotion. 
Um, and it was like, you know, Burnley are back winning Premier League again. Um, and that just edges out Blackburn for me, just because, just for the, the pure emotion of it. Yeah, it was. I think the Wigan one as well, it stands out because the, the result was effectively sealed in the first half and then everyone could really enjoy it in the second half and get into the the party atmosphere. One of my favourite moments of the season was actually uh, in the aftermath of the, the Wigan game with the celebrations um, when Sam Volks and Danny Ings were doing the, the Volksy Volksy Ingsy song and Sam Volks was dancing with his crutches in the air to the song. That's one of the things that will stick in my mind from this season. Um one from an actual football game as well that I think needs to mention is Kieran Trippi's clearance in the last minute at Blackpool. Absolutely massive. It, I mean, we were effectively up by that point, but if that went in, then it could have all been different. You never know. We could have fallen apart. And that putting the, the body on the line, and um, James argued on the podcast before that Tom Eaton was going to get to that ball, but... He wasn't going to get to that ball. Kieran Trippi is certainly sure saved the goal. He definitely wasn't. Like Tommy is a very good keeper, but he was never saving that. So Trippier's clearance, I think, um, deserves a mention in that one. Um, so Adam, we'll we'll leave this one up to you for favourite moment of the season. I I think it's a very obvious selection, but no no pressure on you to pick which one you want to name the non and ever podcast favourite moment of the season. No, no, I think it's an obvious choice as well. And I think if I chose anything else <laughs> but this, everyone would, like, jump on me as a as a fraud. Um, but, yeah, Ings versus Blackburn, that's it's, it's quite simple, really, isn't it? You could watch you could watch it on a GIF for hours, couldn't you, quite happily? I, I love the fact that the, the winner was so scrappy as well. Like, we'd never really had control of the ball. Like, Barnes was trying to turn and shoot, I think, and just knocked it into his path. And it sort of bobbled in. It's absolutely glorious. I almost get goosebumps thinking about it. So Danny Ings scoring the winner at Ewood is the non-ever podcast uh, favourite moment of the season. And that just leaves us with the big prize to announce. And absolutely delighted to be able to announce that the winner of the first ever non-ever Burnley Express Player of the Year award is Burnley's captain, Jason Shackle, who was absolutely immense all season. And we have uh, a nice quote, actually, from Jason Shackle that I will just find. Um, he says, many thanks to all the readers of Known and Ever for voting me as the Player of the Year. He says, to receive awards from supporters is always very special. However, it's been a real team collective that earned us all our rewards definitely share this with the rest of the lads best wishes to all involved with none and ever and i hope you all are relaxing summer before we go again um it's no surprise that he's um hailed the the team effort there james but jason shackle individually um it took him a while to settle at burnley really didn't it but all season he's been magnificent yeah he's been an absolute rock i think um when he first came in beginning of last season i I'm not sure whether he was fully fit or not because he he didn't really look that impressive for a while and then sort of halfway through the season, that first season, he, he did start to improve. I mean, he's never looked back this season. He's been absolutely rock solid. Uh, and he's you know, been, a, been a great captain and uh, been a great centre-half as well. I, I can barely think of any games where he, he hasn't gone well and he's just led the team absolutely superbly. I know he, he doesn't like the attention, he doesn't tend to do a lot of press and things like that, but Jason Shackle, I think, absolutely deserved. There's been 
so many candidates, but he ended up with 20% of the final poll. So hundreds of you voted for Jason Shackle. And he, he was the leading contender all season, really. Um, Kevin, Jason Shackle, it's difficult to argue with it, isn't it? Um, it is, yeah. And I think I think similar to what I said before, he's he kind of sums up some of our some of our strongest qualities this season, and that he's he's so solid, he's so consistent, and he's so professional. Um, his performance hasn't dropped for a single moment all season. Um, and he's very much that, that poker face to, to the end. I think we saw we saw. I was talking about this on Twitter earlier with Graham Alexander. Um, we saw him at, at Wembley today when his team had scored the, the winning for promotion. He was just stood there, looking like someone had just drowned his cat. And it was um, it's, it's very similar with, with Jason Shackle that he's not going to let the, the rest of the team get carried away when we're when we when, when we're going kind of two goals up. And you you, you look at some of his biggest games like um, like the Wigan game when we went two 0 up early on, like the Forest game when we had such a fantastic first half. It'd be very easy for the team to to kind of get carried away and think, yes, you know, we've done this now. Um, but I think having someone like Jason Shackle in his side, he's a very calming influence, um, and he's very professional. And if it's similar to Graham Alexander, but he would never ever let let the team kind of drop the performance by it by it by a by any kind of measure. Um, similarly, once even when we got promoted, uh, kind of the next kind of the final two games after that, we were, st- we, we were still unrecognisable from earlier on. Whereas I think Leicester dropped off a little bit after Vez was was uh, was sealed, but we were still firing away on all, on all cylinders. Um, and again, going back to that the, the moment of this season, which is Blackburn. Obviously, it was him that came up and got that that all important breakthrough goal, just by. Going and sticking his head in into that into the area where just in front of Paul Robinson's face, uh, and getting that breakthrough which we really needed. I think the goal had been coming, but he finally got got that on the end, and that allowed us to go and get get that second. So for me, um, I, I voted for Shackle. I don't think there's any any question for me. He was um, he was he was our player of the year. I'm really happy that he's won actually as well because um, obviously Vokes and Ings have been getting over plaudits, but. Sometimes actually it's, you've got to remember that we actually also had the best defence in the league and probably the most professional team in the league. And obviously he's been at the heart of that. So I think it's it's very, very well deserved. Absolutely. I'd just like to reiterate everything you've said there. And just a, a note on the, the Rovers goal where he headed it in when Paul Robinson was trying to punch his head off. And we've got to mention Sean Dyche in the aftermatch interviews as well said he was as brave as a chicken. Which um, presumably was a, a, a bit of a dig at the Venkies mob, but also um, a saying that we will now use forever. Jason Shackle, brave as a chicken, and officially the known and ever Burnley Express Player of the Year. So absolutely well deserved. Captain Fantastic. And one of, I'm sure there'll be many who will play um, just as well in the Premier League as they have all season. Um should probably mention as well, a little word for, for Eddie Howe maybe. Is it fair, like the top three all Eddie Howe signings? Maybe a little bit of a word for him? I think we should no. probably leave that because it's quite a divisive uh, topic. We'll round off though, thanks to everyone who's listened. Um, just with some of our highlights from our first ever season doing the non Ever podcast, thanks to everyone who's listened and thanks as well to... Neville G, of course, our sponsors who um, help us to bring this podcast to you every week. We will take a bit of a summer break, but we will be back next season. Um, James, I'm not sure if this was your favourite moment of doing the podcast this season, but I'm sure it was for a lot of people. When you were doing the podcast from your bike and got barked at by a dog. 
Great moment, no doubt. Uh, <laughs> definitely one of the better moments of the season. We've we've had some fairly shambolic on it ever podcasts over the last few months. Um, I'm amazed that people listen because quite often it is a total disaster. But you getting barked at by a dog very loud was certainly outstanding. Um, wasn't it on the podcast as well, Kevin, that you used the term Vings for the first time, which obviously caught on quite rapidly after that? I think so, yeah. It's um, the proudest, proudest moment of my career. I can tell you that um, my CV now just reads Kevin Robinson, Vings. And that's, that's, my, <laughs> that's my entire career. That's my entire career now. It's high point gone. <laughs> And um, there was supposed to be a podcast one week as well that we had to postpone because I managed to lock myself out of the flat. So not um, strictly a podcast moment, but yeah, that was um, a sign of how professional we take <laughs> the podcast at No No Never. Um, we might have to rethink timings and stuff actually with Monday Night Football and stuff next season if we are playing Monday Nights, but we'll probably stick with Monday Nights. Thanks again to everyone who's listened. Everyone who's taken part in the podcast over the last few months, there's too many guests to, to run through them all, but we appreciate it all the same. Um, there'll be plenty of stuff going on the site all summer as well, so please do keep an eye out. If you don't follow us on Twitter, please do so. Um, we'll talk about transfer rumours and all sorts all summer. Um, our Twitter name is no name ever. Net. You can also always email us if you've got any feedback, any articles for the site that you want to send us, please do. Email address is blog at no name ever. Net. And one final thank you to Neville G, our sponsors, who um, lovely people at Neville G Recruitment Company Best in Burnley. We couldn't do the site without them, so we do need to mention them. Um, but that's it for now. That's it for this season. Burnley's promotion to the Premier League. A glorious, glorious year for us to start doing the podcast. Looking forward to coming back next season, but I think we're all glad of the break as well. <laughs> so thanks a lot to everyone who's listening tonight. Thanks to James and Kevin for joining me. and We will see you next season. Good night. You've been listening to the No Nay Never podcast. For more, visit nonaynever.net. And don't forget, follow us on Twitter at nonaynevernet. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver-assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.